How's everybody doing? Good. The more interactive we are today, the better it's going to go. So, um, yeah, if, you're, uh, if you need some more coffee, certainly have some out there. But it's a delight to see you. Um, we are just talking and praying down front. There is something that God wants to do usually when things are off a little bit. And just the reality is that, that God is super passionate about you this morning and you being here and meeting you right where you are, uh, despite what the atmosphere may be a little different than you're used to. But we're, we're looking for God to um, just show up and meet us in a, in a real powerful way. So we're going to do uh, a couple things this morning. We're going to look at Psalm 34. And Psalm 34 is this picture that of David's life, who was a king, but it's about a time in his life before he was the king, and he was basically hemmed in on every side. On one side, he had the reigning king, King Saul, who was pressing in on him and really seeking to put an end to his life. And on the other side, he had the enemies of the Philistines, and basically he found himself before the king of the Philistines, and he ended up basically, and you can read about this in 1 Samuel chapter 21, um, he pretended like he was crazy, so much so that he had drool running out of his mouth and going down onto his beard. Now, I'm not a beard guy, but I have sat across the room from a couple of guys that have beards, and if you eat lunch with those guys and they get something stuck there, I mean, it's fairly distracting. So I can imagine a king, right, and you've got someone in front of you and they've got drool all down in their beard. And so the reason I draw your attention to all that is that that kind of gives you a, a little picture of, of why David is saying the things that he's saying. And um, this is a song about, a psalm about God delivering David, and it's it's not a song about how David was clever and how David got himself out of a t- tough spot. It's a, it's a picture about how God has been faithful and God delivers and God will be faithful. And all of that to say there are things that each person is going through in this room where you really don't see a way forward. And Psalm 34 is a promise to you that God will make a way where there is no way. And I want to We're going to be talking a lot about what does it mean to tell our story well, to be a good steward of our story in such a way that brings glory to God, um, encourages us and builds us up and changes us, but also invites other people um, into the experience that we've had. And uh, a good example of that is uh, our good friend, Gina McGirt. We're going to watch just a little bit of her story and how God has met her over the last couple of years. Awesome. I'm glad you got to hear that. Um, one of the things I love about that in, is just the way that her face lights up when she talks about Scripture and she talks about the way that God has met her. There's a total transformation um, just in her perspective and the way that she tells her story. And I do that because that's a good example of what we all want to do is when Gina was able to take something that is absolutely difficult and fearful and tell the story in such a way that we are all served and ministered to. But it also, you can see, um, there's almost a transformation happening as she's speaking to herself about the reality of who God is. And so that's uh, what's going on in Psalm 34. So we're going to read that together. If you have your Bibles open, you can stand. And we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Psalm 34, verse 1. 
I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. And this is, this is what I'm talking about. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we want so much to encounter you in a way that changes us. We want to look to you right now and be radiant. We want to be transformed from the inside out. I pray that your word would have its effect. I pray that you would uh, be present here to meet us with Really, in whatever we are going through, I I pray that you would remove the veil from our eyes that would cause us to be distracted or tired or just be going through the motions, but that you would send your spirit here to do real ministry um, in us, and then as a result, that you would do ministry through us for our city. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at uh, Psalm 34 through the lens of storytelling this morning. We are all hardwired for stories. I mean, if someone asks you how your week was or how your day was, unless you give them the typical one-word answer like fine or good, um, you're going to somehow interpret your story to them and and communicate that to them via some words. You're going to talk about, well, I had this conversation with this person, and this is how it went, and this is what they said to me, right? So we are story making creatures we find meaning in our stories and really the the truth is that we all have a god story to tell and psalm 34 is an invitation for all of us to learn how to tell our story well in a way that builds us up in our faith that encourages us but also invites other people into the story that's what you see from david david is saying hey listen my story can be your story my deliverance can be your deliverance my god can be your god and when the people of god are functioning well and we realize who god is and what he's done that's exactly what we get to experience Bobette Buster, who is from Pixar fame, says famously, whoever tells the best story wins, right? So listen, as the people of God, right, as people that have been moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son, as the people of God who are the bride of Christ, who have inherited eternal life where we have joy and purpose and meaning, we have the best story to tell. 
right? So let's listen to David and let's learn how to tell our story well. Because how we tell our story matters, right? Um, We can either be passive victims and life can be something that has happened to us where we are just kind of, you know, just victims in the story. Or we can tell our stories redemptively with God at the center and God being our hero and God being our Savior and God being our deliverer. Now, I'm going to talk about some elements that, of telling your story well this morning. And the first one is telling our story with God as the hero, right? What's most natural for us is to place ourselves at the center of the narrative, right? Where um, we won't say this out loud, but everyone else in the room is just kind of a, a background person in our story, right? And even if we're honest, most of the time, God is just a little bit uh, of a helper to help us get along where we find difficulty. But the reality is God is at the center of the universe, and he's at the center of our story. And we have an opportunity with our lives to tell the world just how great and how good and how powerful he is. He is the hero of the story. Um, So over the next few moments, we're going to talk about how do we steward our story well. And that includes making God the hero, but it also then talks about the things that we go through coming in and affecting us at a heart level. Those things being the fuel of our worship. And then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about how we invite others into the same kind of story. So David does this in a way, and I love the way that he does it. It doesn't minimize pain. It doesn't minimize suffering. But he also, instead of just putting the the spotlight on him and his suffering, he puts a spotlight on God and his deliverance. And so um, I just was encouraged by this this week as I was reading a book called The Unhurried Leader. And he just says, basically, Alan Falding says, God never has bad days, right? He never gets stressed out. Um, He's never pushed to the max. So that means, right, um, he is fully poised and fully ready to meet us no matter what we are walking through. And I I don't know about you, but the difference between a good story and a great story is all in the details, right? I mean, the more color and the more texture that we can add to who God is inside of our stories, the better we're going to be able to tell our stories. So we're just going to walk through this psalm, right, trying to understand who God is with some beauty and some depth and some color so that we can tell our stories well. The first thing that we see about God is found in verse 4. He is the God who delivers us from all our fears. Look at verse 4 with me. I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. That's an amazing statement. This is the God who delivers us from all of our fears. That word there literally means the terrors, right? This isn't... David is afraid of the dark and he needs God to come in and turn on a nightlight. This is someone seeking to put him to death. And he's saying, listen, God is big enough and God is able to deliver you from whatever terrifies your soul. 
all of your fears, all of your anxieties, big worries, small worries, all of those things. He is the God who delivers us from all of our fears. He's the God, and this is the thing I think as we're trying to turn all of this into worship. We sing the song, He's a Good, Good Father, this morning. He delights to rescue His children, right? He's not put off by our prayers. He doesn't grow weary and frustrated with us when we need rescuing over and over again. He actually delights to save us. He is the God who delivers us from all of our fears. So this is a helpful exercise for me. Think about what you were afraid of a year ago today. Can you remember? Most of us, if we're honest, maybe there's some similar themes, things that we're afraid of right now. But a year ago, right, I mean, I remember what was going on in my life. I can pull out my journal, and this is just kind of an advertising for journaling. Um, Because oftentimes we don't really see God's activity because we just quickly forget. But I remember about a year ago, I was feeling absolutely under it. I could look in my journal and there were things that I was facing that I could absolutely see no way forward in. Fast forward a year now and I see not only did God meet me in that thing, but he actually like blessed me in ways that I can't even imagine through the trial that I actually went through at that time, right? So this is the God that we serve. So to tell our stories well, um, think about your own story. Where has God delivered you from your fear, right? Where has he showed up? Where has he displayed his power? He is the God who delivers us from all our fears. Another layer, some more texture, some more color. The God who listens and responds to our prayers. Look at verses 4, 6, 15, and 17. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Now, our default setting is to think that God is either too busy or uninterested in our lives, right? And so your ability to pray, and, to, and, I, and by pray, I mean pray in a meaningful way, is directly tied to your view of how God hears and responds to you, right? If you don't think anyone's listening, I mean, you can just use, uh, you know, if you're on the cell phone and you drop a call a couple times, you might try to call someone back once or twice. But, I mean, after that, you're just going to be like, hey, we'll just deal with that another time or another way, right? It's the same thing in prayer. Like, oftentimes, the reason that we, you know, don't persevere in prayer is we don't, honestly, aren't convinced that God is listening or he cares about, or is involved in the details of our lives. And this psalm is here to say, hey, listen, this is a God that hears your cry. He is attentive to your needs. He has his eyes squarely fixed on his people, and he is ready to answer them, no matter what they are walking through. 
God is listening to the needs of his people. And I just think, honestly, I mean, this is a smaller crowd. I think he wants to make eye contact with everyone in the room today and say, listen, I know exactly where you're at. I know what you're walking through. And I care. Like, you can cry out to me and I will answer you. Now, the answer doesn't always look exactly like the way that we think it's going to look, but God promises to hear and answer the prayers of his people. He is a listening God, right? So this is a God who hears and responds to the prayers of his people. All right, next, verse 7. This is the God who protects his people with his presence. Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So that word, the angel of the Lord, that's an Old Testament picture of Jesus, right? The angel of the Lord is before the incarnation. You would see this figure, the angel of the Lord, just show up and fight battles on behalf of God's people. He says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him or reverence him or are in awe of him, right? And so most of our friends are camped out somewhere else right now, right? They're camping. <laughs> but that, if you want to know where God is in the midst of your suffering, right? He's camped right outside your door, right? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. God is with us. He is near us. He protects us with his presence, right? The way that God shows up and saves you is by actually drawing near to you. It's his presence that guards you and changes you and shapes you, right? But also, he is the God who never holds back anything good from us. Look at verse 9 and 10. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints... Those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Right? He is not a withholding God. Now, um, I'm no expert. <laughs> I have seen a few nature shows on Animal Planet. But, I mean, evidently, like for young lions, I mean, there's times that they go without food so that they can learn to hunt and go out on their own. God's basically saying, I'm not like that. I'm not going to withhold any good thing from you. Now, this is not some promise that you can go out and get a beamer next week, but this is a promise that God's not going to keep anything that you need from your soul flourishing, right? Every season, whether it is a season of plenty or want, whether we are in need, whether we are on a mountaintop or whether we are in a valley, God says, I'm not going to withhold any good thing, and that good thing is Him right? The, the reason that we can have confidence regardless of what we face is because he is in our corner. He's the one that's encamped around us and he's the one that promises to meet us with good and he is the highest good. He is a God that says in the midst of all of these things, you will never be alone. And then verses 18 and 19, the God who meets his people in the midst of their pain. Verses 18 and 19. These are some of the most precious verses in the Bible to me. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and He saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, 
but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. Most of us, when we are around people that are suffering, right, our natural response is to withdraw. God's posture towards suffering people is to engage, is to draw near, right? To never abandon, to draw near to people who are in pain. God is decidedly drawn to broken people. He rarely seeks out the self-made and the sophisticated. He comes to us when we have nothing to offer Him or to other people and says, I will be your God. So telling our story well means telling our souls and telling other people who our God is. He is a God that meets people right at the point of their need. And so this psalm also asks us, where are you brokenhearted right now? Where are you crushed in spirit? Is it a dream that you had that didn't quite come about the way that you thought it should be? Is it a relationship that went bad? God says all of those things are things that I care about and I want to meet you with my nearness. God loves to meet us. That's the the character of who He is. So to tell our stories well... We want to make God the hero. He's the one that delivers us. He's the one that saves us. He's the one that changes us. He's the one that provides for us. But also, there's an element here to tell our stories well. It it talks about, in verse 3, let us exalt Him together. Let us make our boast in Him. There's something about when we go through difficult seasons and our story is hard, that it takes us to the mat, right? And it, it, it humbles us. So the second element of telling our stories well is to let worship transform you. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And that literally means in every season. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. So David is saying, regardless of whatever I'm walking through, in every season of my life, I want to offer the song of my life to God. Right? So whether things are going well or things are difficult, I want my life to sing a song. Um, and really, this is what helps change our perspective from just where we are passive victims in the story to where God is the hero. The, the only difference between those two things is worship. Right? It's the posture of our heart. I mean, difficult circumstances will either cause our souls to prosper and to cling to God, or they will make us bitter. Right? And so this is an invitation to take all of the things that have gone on, good, bad, or indifferent, and offer them to the God who is with us, to refine us. That's why I love that song, Praise Before, before My Breakthrough. Right? It's easy to praise right after the breakthrough. Like, yeah, look what God did. Like, look what he did at the Red Sea. But right, it's much more difficult to praise when you don't know where that answer is going to come from. So we want to offer up at all times in every season. And then this worship changes us from the inside out. Look at verse 5. And this is what you saw in Gina's story. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. 
Worship begins to change us from the inside out. Those that look to Him are radiant. That's literally a picture you see in the Old Testament of a mother's face lighting up when she sees her toddler come running, right? That's what happens when we see the reality of who God is, right? As we see Him, the New Testament says um, that those that behold the glory of God with unveiled faces, like they're moved from one degree of glory to another. That's what's going on in this passage. So worship is one of the most important things about us. It's not because we sing songs because God's somehow needy, but when we lift up our hands and we lift up the song of our life, it actually begins to change our perspective of what we're going through. And it helps us to encounter Him as He is. So (laughs) there's also, it says, their faces will never be ashamed. I don't know what it is, but there is a shame that's associated with suffering, right? In our darkest moments, we feel alone and we feel like suffering probably on some level is our fault. And God is saying, hey, listen, I want you to look to me and become radiant. If you lock eyes with me in faith, you will never be ashamed, right? That's because we are found in and through Jesus. You can trust me. So we want to let worship change us. But then we also want to invite others into our experience. Look at verses 3, 8, and 9. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is an experiential reality. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. Those who fear Him have no lack. So the ultimate culmination of telling our stories well is inviting other people into the journey, right? My experience can be your experience. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good, right? So I'll, I'll just use this and we'll, we'll shut this thing down. But listen, how many of you guys have heard of Hattie B's in Memphis? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm about to evangelize you with some Hattie B's right now, all right? Now, I remember that people were skeptical, right, when I first began to tell people about Hattie B's. It is Nashville hot chicken, right? Right, and it's in the heart of Midtown. And I remember the first person I told, they're like, oh yeah, we'll have to check that out. I said, no, listen, this is the best chicken that you will ever eat in your life, okay? This, the skin, I mean, it is... It is crispy, and it is alive, but when you bite into the chicken, it is juicy and succulent, and um, this is how you know, and this, I can say this because we were in the South, like, like if you get a little bead of sweat like on the top of your lip when you're eating, that means you're doing something right, right? And so I remember, like I, I'm trying to bring people into the realities that this chicken is the best chicken that you are ever going to eat, Right? And honestly, that's what our life is all about. Hey, listen, this is better than chicken. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is the one that has delivered me. He is the one that has rescued me. He is kind. He is merciful. And all of that can be yours. You can taste and see that the Lord is good. Listen, that is what evangelism is. 
Okay, right? It's not, hey, if you don't believe in God, there's something really bad waiting for you, right? That's not a very good marketing message. I'm not talking about anything about there is consequences to unbelief. But evangelism inside the church is, hey, come, taste, see what I see. Come, see, taste, experience what I've experienced. And you get to experience that same goodness and that same mercy. That's what evangelism is. That's what worship is. And when you don't feel it, and we are in that moment when we're not brave, Breaking through, right? You get to hear other people singing to you. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? That's the song. That's the anthem of the church. That's the reason that Jesus came into the world so that we could see, right? Not that we just have a collections of writings. We have a God that invites us to come and to experience and to live in the good of all that he has done for us. So much so that he did not withhold his own son. He gave him up for us all so that we could experience and taste that he is good. So, just think about your own story. It would be good in this this time, like it's a holiday. Think about a year ago. Think about what you were going through. Think about all the ways that he has delivered you. Think about all the ways that he has served you. Think about all the ways that he has met you. And if you're in the middle of it right now, Right? Think about all the ways that he's met you along the road and let it build faith and let it bring you to a place of worship. Bands, you can go ahead and join me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are kind and merciful and gracious. Thank you that we don't just have an abstract doctrine, but we have a God that invites us to taste and see his goodness. I pray that you would help us to do that in these moments. I pray that you would relieve mercifully the suffering of your people. You know every situation that's going on, every broken heart, everyone that needs to be saved in the midst of their crushed spirits. I pray that you would do that by us feasting on your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to come to the table. This is.